Are your parents home? Can I help you? Hey, sweetie. My son, he likes to play hide and seek. He's a handful. Is he here? No. Just, just us. Uh, if I see him, I'll let you know. Can you bring him down? Am I supposed to say something? I don't have one. Just let it go. No, let it go. That's my little start. You just be you. Uh, Maybe I won't show up. That would be the worst possible you of all the possible Tonys. The one who doesn't show up is the only one I don't want to show up. That's a pretty negative thing to say. I apologize. That's weird. Starting that way. I don't want the Tony to show up who doesn't show up. Right. I just want want the invested. You want the invested, the invested version of me passionate tony which we heard on another podcast which we'll talk about in a minute welcome to episode two of season seven even though our seasons are just basically as they're not years they're just i say about 12 episodes and i wrap up a season so i don't right. know how long we've been doing this maybe a couple of years but anyway um tens of thousands of downloads thank you all every week we get new people we appreciate it tony and i are both working professionals in the entertainment biz i host tv i do films acting tony is a wonderful actor actor teacher and uh, director and filmmaker in his own right. Uh, I think working on his second film as we speak, his second feature film. Yeah, we're gearing up to start shooting uh, pretty soon. Ooh, love it. Um, And on this podcast, what we do is we rate and review paranormal-themed film and television. If it's about the paranormal, we'll cover it because we're passionate about the subject. We're both experiencers, and um, we love talking about it. It's kind of what we do. So with that in mind, this week... Our movie is called The Wretched, a 2019 American supernatural horror film. We'll get into it in a minute. But first, Tony, we've got some business to attend to. Um, number one, how are you since last week? I'm good. I'm fine. Um, kind of had a little debate last week about nope. We fought. Yeah. Yeah. We had a little throwdown over that. I had a throwdown with my brother over the Blair Witch Project on my on the last other podcast I do. I'm feeling, um, I don't know. Maybe I need some counseling. I want to talk about that for a second because you guys are doing, you're, you're not a horror or paranormal themed film podcast. You do films in general because it's October. You guys are kind of focusing on some spooky films and you did a film that's very near and dear to my heart, the Blair Witch Project. So of course I, I watched that episode and um, of course, in all the ways that count, I agree with you. I think it's a really important movie um, I've never been more frightened in a movie experience than in that final scene where he's facing the wall and you don't know what's happening. I don't think I've ever been that frightened uh, in a movie, yeah. Uh, yeah. which I, is saying I, something. Yeah. I will admit maybe if you weren't there at the time, didn't experience it in the theater and saw and, and really could see what it could do to an audience, it might not. Uh, work unless you had that experience for people. I, I'm willing to accept that. I could see watching that movie in the wrong environment, circumstance, and having it not affect someone. I agreed with your brother in this sense. In the most kind of basic way, the characters are annoying, you know, and and the camera work is jaggy, uh, janky, jerky. 
I can't think of another adjective. <laughs> I just made up two of those three words. Um, and so in that sense, I kind of agree with him. Like I got why, and I think you kept saying this in your debate with him. You're like, I get why it didn't work for you. Um, it, it is, it's a tough watch in a lot of different ways, but man, the mythology they create, what they did it for. It's an important movie. And um, yeah, well, well argued by you, but I did feel bad for Matthew because I have an older brother and we fight all the time. <laughs> I, I felt bad. I felt bad that we disagree. I like to I like to agree. I think it makes for a fun podcast. Makes good pod. I like to agree and to, and to get into the into the details. We'll see if that happens today. I don't know. I have a feeling we'll probably be in agreement today. That's yeah. my that's my initial effort to read. I think so too. Although you know, I've got some thoughts about it that I think might be interesting. I hope I hope they're interesting. Um, Me too. We're in. Two episodes of my new Beyond Oak Island season have aired, so we're full into that. And um, How are, are you pleased? So far? are you yeah. are you an actor that watches yourself? Uh, well, and, this is different. Um, hosting's a whole different animal than what I do, like when when I'm doing something scripted to be the like conduit between the audience and the experts, because a lot of these things we're doing are very dense technically and they're very dense historically. It's like a lot of history, so I got to be the guy to go like. Okay, I've you know in real life I've seen this piece of equipment used sixty times, right? But I have to say like now, what are you doing and how are you doing it? Well, you have to think kind of like a, almost like a director, editor, like you have to really 100%. have a wide view of it as it's happening, which is hard. In fact, that's a great point you make. And this is a little insider, but I guess if you listen to this podcast, you'd be interested in this type of thing. So let's say we're running an underwater scan, trying to find something, right? And that scan is going on, and suddenly somebody sees something and has an idea. This is a scientist or someone who runs that piece of equipment. They're an expert on what they do. And they come up with a reason like, hey, we should check over there. Well, they'll talk to each other and just start doing it because that's what they do. They're not on-camera personalities. And then I have to say, hey, Tony, why are you going over there? You're going over there because you see something. What do you see? Blah, blah, blah. And I've actually looked at, I, I do eye looks with my producers they look at me panicked and I, and I look them like, I got this mm -hmm. and I justify the camera move. Now right. in a scripted world, you would say cut and you would move and you would justify it by how you filmed it. And you could add things to the script in this world. You can't do that. So it becomes my job to justify everything that happens every moment it's happening as much as I can. So, um, it's fun. I love doing it. And I, I'm honestly, honestly, when someone hands me something that's 400 years old, I lose my mind. It's just the most exciting thing um, you could go through, I think. Like, this is something that's so outside my my um, abilities or, or what I've trained to do or what I can do. It's just like really, uh, it's really remarkable. So, you know, you know, that's why you work all the time. You work all the time. It's great. Well, a few years ago, I was talking to some students who want to do this for a living, like one of the on-camera hosting. And I was honestly, I swear to God, Tony, you know me, like, the bottom of my heart trying to think of something I could tell them because I never set out to be a host. It, there started to be a demand for it about the time like talk soup came out. Everybody wanted a comedic host. Yeah. So I just started getting the auditions for it. I'd never thought about it. And if I watch or think about things I did way back then, I was so like hosty as it's called okay. you know, being a host. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I did it, but somewhere along the line, I was able to just be me. And that's like a hard skill to develop. Like what is me and who am I on camera? How can you be you authentically on camera? 
And in a scripted environment, how can you be that character authentically in that camera? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it goes a long way to say how maybe a big part of camera acting is is that is that comfort level is liking the camera is not mm. minding it. You mm. know, I mean, you can say you you can say like that you're not thinking about it, but I think on a, on some level you're probably subconsciously thinking about it because you know how to play to camera, you know how 100%. to work with it even when you're not thinking about it. So that's yeah. that's also something that you've picked up and can do that is like it's like algebra for some people you know yeah. it's hard yeah that's um, a good maybe way maybe algebra say is actually pretty simple i'm really bad at math so <laughs> maybe is algebra easy i don't even know it's i think it's the easiest of all the horrible math that's out there okay i hate math so much i used to glaze over i barely yeah it. um, it's it's well, my minority um, i hate it but yeah that's well said like i'm aware of it i'm aware of its presence i'm aware of what i have to do like literally professionally as it relates to the camera but it doesn't affect my ability to be authentic in the moment. I well, guess. it seems like you like it. It's a, you're yeah. comfortable with it, yeah. which is a really, um, which isn't the truth for a lot of a lot of actors. Right. Know, a lot of, of a lot of uh, successful actors actually. Huh. I don't think ever really get comfortable. Interesting. Well. Um. Anyway, nice job. I can't wait to you. get in touch with the show. I have not done it, uh, seeing the new season yet, but um, I'm I have to figure out a, an app that will let me do that. And once I do, we're gold, man. I'm gonna see everything. Let's continue being hosts. Let's put on our host hat and okay. take care of some business. We have uh, a great pair of posts I want to uh, talk about, and we got some mail. So let's oh, really? talk about oh, that. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love getting mail. Me too. And you know what? I get mail. What? Here's how you do it, everybody. Here's how you reach out to us. You know, Maddie and I are very social. Yeah, I don't like where this is going. I mean, social media. This is a, it's a promo. Oh, right. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Rated Paranormal. We're also on Facebook. Please comment, like, engage. Let us know what you think. For even more information, go to our webpage, anchor.fm slash Rated Paranormal. But I really don't like eye contact. All right, so let's see. Let me look through it. This is my favorite piece of mail. Um, this comes from Dev, D-E-V. I'm not sure if it's like Devin. I don't know if it's a male, female. It's just Dev. Uh, this is in regards, Tony, to our conversation last week about Nope. I passed it with a rated P for paranormal. You did not. We split on it. We argued vehemently. It was awesome. Here's what Dev says. You're both right. Tony, the film lacks in character development and the nuances of his other better films. I felt everything you were saying. I was just as disappointed as you were. Maddie, where he took the UFO UAP phenomenon was pretty brilliant. I didn't know anything about a possible natural explanation for UFOs. So thanks for that. The clips you played of the guy who believes that they are naturally occurring were fascinating. A return to form, fellas. So thank you, Dev. Excellent. That's great, Dev. We're both right, Tony. I love being right, and and I love not fighting. So now we cannot fight, and both have won that. It's great. Um, I kept thinking about it after last week's episode, and like, you know, it's it's funny. I'm that that email is perfect because that's how I feel about it. I'm like, every it's so weird. That's Nope is the weirdest film we've done for me because it's the most elusive to nail down. Because in thinking about it, editing it, listening back to it, everything you said, I agreed with. And yet I still loved the movie. So I don't know what that is, but it's yeah, something. I, I, it makes me feel like maybe, you know, maybe I'm just not, I wasn't ready for it. And once I get my head around it, I'll see what the like, genius, like that's maybe, maybe how I feel. I don't know. 
Again, mm. I really, it confused me. I don't, mm. I, I wrestled with it too. I, di- I don't even now know if I, if I really get it. And I, I have to see it again. You've seen it twice. So yeah, you're, you're ahead of me. Let's get into our Parapost now. Time for this week's Parapost. Post, post, post. These are items on social media, either directed towards us or just out there in the paranormal space um, that we like to talk about. Someone had on social media forwarded me an ad to the trailer for the new Hellraiser that is now on Hulu. Tony, we reviewed Hellraiser on this very podcast where we at least talked about it. I don't know I don't, that we reviewed. I don't think oh, we actually. I don't think we did. No. I don't think we did. We, oh, you know what we did? We did, we did Lovecraft. We talked about Lovecraft. Yeah. Yeah. And within that conversation, we got into Hellraiser. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, I just was so. I remember belly laughing about you know like with you about Hellraiser when the thing turns into that blob of humanity and just like the sexual. Oh right, torture. we were talking about. Um, oh, what's the other one that's just from like, beyond? From beyond, exactly. That we did cover, yeah. Yes, and very Hellraiser ish, and that I think bled. Yes. <laughs> no pun intended. Bled yeah, into I, a conversation I, about Hellraiser. No doubt, Clive Barker was uh, yes. was a fan. Yes. So. Um, that being said, I've, I'm a half hour or about 45 minutes into the new Hellraiser. Have you seen it at all? Yeah, I watched a few minutes of it just to see what was going on, to see what the flavor was. Yeah, I think I'm um, going to continue it tonight. I'm having fun. It's it's a fun Halloween time uh, version of it, I think. it's uh, Yeah, it's pretty slick. I will it's say really it's slick. like the darkest movie. I, I mean, and the show is so, um, I mean, physically, like literally in absence of light it's very yeah. hard there's like almost nothing happening on that screen sometimes yeah um maybe uh maybe i need to see it with like a vr headset to get the full effect <laughs> of it yeah um, um and i, I think I, I this director's done stuff i like yeah and um so i'm willing to see a, a remake of something i kind of dig yeah. uh you know modernized it's super high-end uh on the production scale um, I like the performance he's getting from the actors are really good. Although there's a lot of screaming at each other, um, which is what you do now on streaming shows. Now everyone screams and yells. At each. Everyone's angry all the time. Everybody's screaming, screaming why, Sheen. Why, why can't you? Jessica! <laughs> why can't you make a movie in a paranormal or, or horror setting and have everyone be affable and likable? And then the horror, I think, would land even better. Everyone's on edge and angry and screaming and everything. Like you're now, like you right now. See? They ask you the same question. It's contagious. <laughs> Jessica! Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's dramatic. Oh, it's drama. so dramatic. You do that. Anyway. It's like listening to your, listening to our podcast episode last week. Oh, my God. Uh it's just like, imagine it was four likable people that all got along and then this horror happened to them. It would be amazing, but it just doesn't happen much anymore that I can think of. It's like everyone comes into the cabin or whatever it is, like fighting. And there's always a dickhead who's like a total more of a dickhead than the other douchebag. And then the girl's like uh, a total uh, you know, I would Actually, okay, you calm down. First of all, the, the, you're starting, the, we're going to have to leap that stuff out. This is, you can't talk like that in a show. You know, I could argue Evil Dead is actually what you're talking about. Absolutely. They're they're nice to each other. Yeah, but where is Evil Dead? 
Like I, every, it's huge. It's a very, very popular movie franchise. <laughs> no, but I mean, I want more. I, like there's for every oh. for one Evil Dead, there's 17 new Netflix horror streaming things where people are uh, junkies and yelling example, at each other. Uh, and Scream franchise. There's a lot of, like unless there's murdering okay. happening, everybody's having okay. fun talking. All right, you're talking me off the ledge here. And one more parapost. Thank you to P4 Peer, Jeffrey. And I'm so sorry. Makanau? Makanu. I'm so sorry, Jeffrey. I don't know how to say your last name. Every week we do a top three list inspired by the movie that we're reviewing. If you're new to the show, something catches our eye or our imagination and we try to do a top three. Uh, in fact, tonight, the top three that we'll do after we review The Wretched is, Tony, top three roadkill moments in film. Top three roadkill moments. Yeah. <laughs> or roadkills. There's some roadkill in the wretched. So that inspired us. Jeffrey, inspired by our top three, sent us a wonderful post. And he said, you know, inspired by your best helmet top three, this was on my feed. And you can see here, Tony, it's a picture. And I'll post this on our social media. It is the night that I referenced in uh, Monty Python on the Holy Grail with all his limbs chopped off as a front yard Halloween decoration. The best front yard Halloween decoration I've ever seen, frankly. Agreed. I mean, it's a that's a deep cut. That's a cinematic deep cut. And you've just spent a lot of time and effort to reproduce it perfectly on your lawn. Let me tell you, if you're not a Monty Python fan, uh, just take it from us. If you go trick-or-treating and you're of that age, and if you are of the age to still go trick-or-treating, you probably don't know Monty Python. If you see a knight on a front lawn, stay at that house because those people are cool. They're definitely cool. Although they might give you healthy snacks. They might give you healthy food. True. Sniffer they're, snacks. They're older. Yeah. They're PB, PBS. They learned, they learned about Monty Python on PBS. Yeah. Might give you granola bars. Yeah. A little crunchy. They got probably high cholesterol because they're our age. Yeah. Send your weakest friend out first to see if that's what happens. <laughs> and then if it, if it gives you the thumbs up, then go go for it. <laughs> that's so great. I think I've quoted that before. Was it David Spade? who said uh, there's two types of guys at a party, guys out talking to the girls, and then the guys in the kitchen doing Monty Python quotes. <laughs> I was like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. We would have been kitchen. friends in high school too because yeah. I, I didn't play sports, but I would have done that with you. Monty Python and Spinal Tap all day long. All right, uh, Tony, I think we got to everything. So let's get to a movie with a great title, but does it warrant the title? The Wretched. Hey, whoa. Hey, this is private property, okay? I decide if you come in. You're a very stupid boy. I'll snap that other arm. I'm 17. You can get off my porch. Hey. Tony the Wretched, directed by the Pierce Brothers. This film follows a defiant teenage boy spending time with his father as his parents are going through a divorce. It ends up accidentally facing off against an evil witch posing as the neighbor next door. Tony, how did you find this film? You recommended it to us. Was it just a title grab um, or did you know something about it? No, it was kind of a title grab. You, mm -hmm. you, you know, we were looking for something new, new ish, you know, um, that was like a streaming thing that, people might have checked out during lockdown or whatever um mm -hmm. and uh i think i saw i think it was on my queue for a while and i like i saw five minutes of it to see if i wanted to see it and it looked 
decent enough and I, I thought we'd give it a shot. Um, and I'm not entirely unhappy that I decided to do that. Um, Me neither. I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little ambivalent about the fact that I decided to do it, to be <laughs> honest. I, I think this movie is an interesting one because I think it's an example of something we've come across. If you go to our Instagram or our Facebook at Rated Paranormal, you'll see a screen image for this episode. There's an incredible image of a woman with a dead animal's bones, like a, a, a deer's head skull over her face like a mask. And when you sent me the title of the movie, that's the first image I saw. And I was like, oh, yeah, that looks I mean, that is like hereditary level imagery in that picture. And so I was very excited. The title, um, that image, and then the first shot of the movie, basically in a cold open, is a witch like eating a, a child. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they go there really fast. They go there movie. really yeah. fast. And I go, wow. All right. Buckle your seatbelts. And then uh, do, do they ever go back? Turns out I only needed not really a seatbelt, maybe just like a hand. That, you, know that, you know that thing you yeah. hold on? When you... Yeah, like a subway handrail, like the old-fashioned kind from, yeah. from taking a Pella 1, 2, 3. Yes, and I yeah. could just use my left hand and be playing a right. video game at the same time. Right. Yeah, that's all and it, was, it, would, it would move with you a little bit with the train. It was very easy on the wrist. Yeah, you really only needed that. So, yes, um, they, they didn't deliver. And, you know, it's funny. I, I thought to myself, like, if you're going to open with that, a witch eating a child... Like, boy, oh boy, you, you got some. And it's not, okay, I don't mean interrupt, but it no. isn't inferred. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it is seen. You see this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it goes from that to like Stranger Things light. It goes it's, from that to Karate Kid. Yes. Like, uh, uh, it, it's, it becomes like a, uh, I don't, like a Hallmark movie almost with yeah. the saccharine um, very much so. transitions and the music yeah. choices. And it's a very, weird. very like safe uh, relationship with the girl. Like there's, it's non-sexually threatening really at all. Um, and, and, and he makes very eighties choices and it's like, it's weird. It feels like a, it's a very eighties mentality in terms of this lead character, this guy and how he thinks of, you know, uh, you know the, the other the girls in high school that he's interested in, and we're like, well, it, it's all very eighties to me. Which yes, is weird because it's not made by anybody from the eighties. What's and happening? I th yeah, I think there's a big retro thing going on right now. Thank you, Stranger Things. Right, but it's not in the eighties, but it's got to feel like it. Totally. Um, yeah, and even like the music choices, there are like symphonic, string-driven, saccharine, commercial-esque transition scenes that are brightly yeah. lit he's walking into the nice uh you know his dad works at a, at a dock basically he's a harbor master and it's just so odd because it's so slick and it's so hallmark in this kind of like promise of a hereditary type of witch movie that it was jarring and i and when i said it's an example of something here's what i think this movie's an example of maybe a, a rare example i can think of something possibly like the frighteners that we had mentioned last week um a movie where the ideas the setups the delivery on things that are teased awesome and then i think it's the execution of it the tonality the decisions the directors make their brothers um just don't live up to the 
possibilities of the script. And I think most times it's been the opposite. Boy, they didn't pay things off. And that there was a stupid cliche idea. And can't we think of something else? It's like, this is one of the examples where I think the script idea was kind of awesome and kind of different. Yeah, I, I'll agree. That is that the, fair? Yeah, I would say that maybe the outline was the script outline or the, you know, the, the pitch is better than the screenplay. I feel yeah. like the screenplay yeah. makes them, they make some choices that are a little bit like, what? They're, they're, okay, we, I don't know if we should spoil this or not. Or tell I think we could. I don't think, because this, yeah. I don't do we wait and do spoilers a little bit later or something? Okay, but yeah, I, try I mean, to do it without. This movie does take a turn where it, it you know, it thinks it's kind of M. Night Shyamalan for a second in a way that I, I find to be unnecessary. I found to be, maybe it was a midnight decision for them. I don't mm. mean like, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. uh, some of it's baked in, but it seems like maybe it was not central to the idea. And I don't think it's justified. And I think it, I think there's a lot of holes in it because of this turn it takes. And, um, and um, I know because I checked it out, I checked out a few minutes again after seeing it first time mm -hmm. and watching it again. I was like, oh, yeah, there's some now that I know what happened, it doesn't all add up. Really? OK, OK, let's let, let me back up a little bit and say this, like the premise, the setup and the way even sometimes it's executed, I thought could have been really brilliant and really unique. And that mm -hmm. is a non-effects driven, for the most part, witch story about the witch literally living next door to you and looking like a beautiful woman and able to be friendly to the neighbors and say hello, but under but really uh, an evil witch cloaking herself uh, in this body or possessing her body um, and just like shot in broad daylight a lot of it i thought that was really kind of interesting and and it alternate this movie kept making me like go like yes i'm excited about this let's go and then alternately no and then oh this is a cool idea yes 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 no <laughs> right know? yeah I, I i agree i think there was things about it that I, I mean i liked how it was shot i think it was pretty nicely nicely shot it's beautiful some of it some of it was um because it was kind of an 80s story and 80s derivative they were actually kind of like making it more like an 80s movie which means it was a little less cutting and a little less you know constant camera jazz that i i appreciated i liked it being a little bit more you know a little longer takes a little bit longer shots going on for you know like a full scene rather than everything feeling kind of truncated um, yes they were really trying to establish stuff. I think that, you know, I just don't know if the time, I don't know if they really knew how to effectively do it once they took the time to do it. I appreciated that they wanted to do this kind of more character-based movie, but I don't know if they were really pulled it off. I didn't really feel like I knew these people terribly well. They didn't feel incredibly specific. They, they didn't feel like they rehearsed together. Like I, I felt right. like this the, the the dad who's a fine actor and the kid who's I think you know the best Ensign Elgort since Ensign Elgort. It looks like they met that night. No doubt. You know. No doubt. There's a scene between the father and son. Again, the actors are fine, but it had the same level of authenticity, father and son, as like you know it it comes off like a commercial. Yeah. Uh, at times. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's not, and I'm not even, you know, that's that's definitely not pointing fingers at actors that's, no. th that that can really only happen if you have a production that allows that time you have to spend a little time to get there yes even a really you know really 
good actor needs a little time to get to know the person they're working with to like to feel it out so yeah it just feels like it was rushed and at that point you're kind of like well it's so it's rushed so i'm i'm kind of not digging it because it feels rushed and undercooked but i also it had me going so they they have they had some chops like they they made me yes they made me go on this ride longer than i think i would have yes. ordinarily yeah um, I, kept, I kept buying in at different times yeah like i said and then it was like oh mom's buying you a new car mom is getting herself a new car and she's giving me the old one the lincoln hey i mean that is a nice bike right i love the basket <laughs> shut up <laughs> Oh, man. You're all grown up and fancy, huh? We'll have to teach you how to drive stick while you're up here. And then it's kind of when I realized that it was a Disturbia remake, hmm. you know, yeah. uh, which was a rear window remake. And then, or the burbs. It's got a little burbs well, it's to it. A little bit of that, yeah. <laughs> but it's like Fright Night really is yeah. the movie that yeah. it is. Yeah. It, it's Fright Night. Yeah. It's basically like the witch meets fright night yeah and that's i think that's where i got frustrated is because i don't think they had you know they say like businesses or endeavors have to have like a mission statement this is what we do and this is who we are i think this film didn't have a clear mission statement we are making this movie i think they're like oh we got this cool idea for a story about a witch who makes people do this certain thing and it'll be funny at times and it'll be really scary at times. It'll be a romance and it'll be not a romance, you know, and it just kept totally shifting so wildly that I couldn't, your brother said something in your podcast and I, I want to steal his quote. He said, I didn't know where to watch it from. And I was like, that's a great way to say it when you don't have clear footing on something and it keeps changing tone on you. He but, used I mean, it in a different context, but I like that. I, I, I could not get comfortable. I could not fully buy. Well, uh, let me let, can we can we put a fine point on that though to me yeah. like i think movies like a lot of the great korean movies that have come out in the last 10 20 years bong joon ho's early stuff particularly yeah you know counteract counters what you're saying like that that it's the quite it's it's whether you can actually make those tonal shifts connected somehow well, and make the audience buy it and i don't know what magic it is that i i think i know the answer to that i think and it's just my opinion i know exactly what you're talking about because i love movies that shift but i think bun jung ho says i'm making that movie i'm doing exactly what we just said and i'm going to do yeah. it skillfully and artfully and i think these movies like this do that somewhat largely unintentionally. And I think that's the difference. Or that you may have said, like, you know, the other thing that does that totally intentionally is like the after school special. And this did feel like it had that kind of mentality behind it, where it was, it was, you know, making a very middle of the road kind of movie <clears throat> that was popular in the eighties. Like there, you know, even in, oh, you take Fright Night or Lost Boys, there were sections of that that were just kind of like teenage hangout movies for long stretches. Yeah. But then you've got like the the extensive child murder situation in that's this film, that, which that's... is weird. Which is like that deserves some conversation because like okay. I don't think I've ever seen a movie. I mean, I've seen some movies go there, right? And usually it's the last. It's like the last card you deal. Yeah, you if you have nothing else, or if you're really gonna go and challenge the audience, like it's the it's it's a really taboo thing to put in a movie. Yeah, and horror filmmakers that do it tend to really know that and not do it 
unless they're really going to punch your lights out with it mm-hmm. and make it really effective. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen a movie that does it in the first scene and then does it again, but d- d- so it dismisses it. Like this woman kills two other children, you, you I guess. And one of the, one of the one you don't even know it's never mentioned, and that starts freaking you out. Now there's reasons for that plot wise, which we're going to get into in spoilers. But still, in all, I, I've never seen it done so casually before. It goes from, you know, we just lost this as we record this. We just lost the great Angela Lansbury. I know. Oh, I know, man. And yeah. this film goes from a witch murdering children smash cut to a murder she wrote scene filmed with with the same soft lenses and bright lights and campy music it's just it's just like wow they are not and you know look as we're describing this like if i were listening to us talk about it i would be going i have to i have to see (laughs) this i know i know but but honestly it's not i don't feel i don't i i'm be careful because it it's not as exciting as it sounds Right. Like, I don't think they knew what they had. I don't think they knew how weird this could have been. I don't think they were really aware that they were making an 80s movie. I think they were just aware that they were making uh, Fright Night, which happens to be an 80s based kind of movie. I don't know. So it doesn't it's not pleasing on those levels. I don't you don't feel like you're having a nostalgia hit like you Mm -mm. do with some of these other things, which is a suspect thing anyway. But I'd, l- I'd like to talk t- about some of these moments that started to win me over and then failed. Um, one of which is just the simple conceit that I mentioned earlier that the woman next door is overtaken by a witch or she becomes a witch or the witch inhabits her body or whatever. And I just loved that. There was about a five minute stretch of this movie that I started to love. And I started to go, Oh, are they going to do this? You know? And what it was is like I said, shot in daylight. She comes to the door. Hi, is my son in there? And he just has dialogue with her 17 year old kid, whatever he is, Ben, the character Ben. And he says, You can't be on my port. And she just says, You are a stupid boy. And I was like, Ooh, this is kind of creepy. And I like this. You're a very stupid boy. They didn't do any really big special effects. It was mostly practical. Mm-hmm. And and then the husband coming out and saying, What's going on here? And it's like broad daylight, the house next door. I was like, this could be really interesting. And then not long after that, there is a shot of her um, nude. Uh, or maybe it was right before it. I don't remember. It's the same like five minute stretch where I started kind of like, wait a second here. We could be onto something. This could be a tonal shift. This Maddie always feels me. they're onto something when there's nudity. He's That's like a sign to him that this is a serious movie. This is going to be good. Oh, well, I'm onto something. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> I did that voice you like when i get all quiet why do you talk like elvis or try to talk like elvis whenever this comes up it's what i do <laughs> okay i can only i can only as elvis <laughs> <laughs> whoa it's a condition <clears throat> um is it a condition of your contract or like a skin condition <laughs> it's called bubba hotep disease oh you don't want that again started to get really like interested. And so there are real moments here of good execution. You know, that shot of her, she's, she's naked from behind and she's contorted into this kind of witch thing, you know, a la 
hereditary yeah, a little jennifer carpenter vibe yes, uh, from yes. you know uh, that movie that freaked us out we yes. argued about that movie but um, it was it was effective and i thought mm-hmm. could this be a a modern suburban take on a witch tale through the eyes of a teenager who lives next door and yeah. that i'm all in for as they were doing it for about five minutes and mm-hmm. then it quickly did not do it like that anymore uh yeah i kept on kind of getting engaged i mean i got engaged at weird points like i i thought that that section was good i agree with you i kind of like perked up at that yeah when she came comes to the door i yeah. thought her, her dress was an interesting choice it was yes. a little bit on the nose and a little bit you know arch but i, I i'll give them points for for trying to do you know production design mm-hmm. elements and stuff mm-hmm. um I I really liked the way they handled, um, you know, for instance, the general store looked really nice and it looked um, it looked um, like they were doing it very economically in wide shots where you could really see everything, which I'm a, I'm just a fan of. I like yes. that approach to the shooting and um, the effects work was pretty good, yep. you know, like you don't see a ton. It's not super uh, I mean, it's graphic, but it's not you don't you don't really get a full eye view of what this is uh you see pieces kind of but the pieces are all effective and gory and creepy um and you could argue that the most impactful sequence is that first opening sequence which is actually pretty cool it is uh it's a it feels it's a slightly different movie that we enter after that very much and it, it it promises things that it doesn't really deliver on no um and at a there's points where i was like oh you know good good you know good job on this the team really came together to pull a scene together and then there'll be a scene where it's like completely just lifted from one of these movies we mentioned as just a as just an uh you know like a paint by numbers kind of thing um so it was weird it was kind of a bumpy a bumpy ride um i liked the idea of all of the i mean here it's a bit of a cheat because of course i liked all these elements because i liked them the first time i saw them in all the other movies they were in yeah Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but did it sustain a mood and mood and tone did i think that these characters are characters i think will walk off this movie into my imagination and like have a life outside this movie no you know do i think that there was a lot of thought between the chemistry between the two leads not really you know i there's a and there's a big like did, did you have this i didn't when like when when it was revealed that they were the next door neighbors li- like literally like 20 feet away i was like where where did that house come from yes it kind of just appears it, like, yes. they had no yes. no geography at all yeah. like it, it wasn't was a, there at it all was, it was weirdly to the side like they weren't i guess but then then other shots it's like literally yeah. right there yeah it's weird it's like they shot it in in an empty field it wasn't a neighborhood yeah where there was a house and they just slapped house they, they must have done there must a have weird they, setup they, yeah they probably weren't really next to each other and they had to do some weird uh, you know jockeying around but like when he goes out at night and try and first sees the thing that you know starts all of this yes yes um and he's sneak snooping around the neighbor's house and you see that it's 20 yard, feet away and, yes uh, and you're like, like where, where did they come from i here? honestly thought it's so good you said that i honestly thought it was his own house 
I did too. For a long time. Yeah, I, I, we both did. Amelia and I did too. So because they was... never make, like you said, yeah. never make reference to the neighbors or how no. far the house is. So he's no. skulking around at night looking under the porch. I go, oh, he saw something go under his porch. And all of a sudden the father comes out and goes, right. what are you like, doing? I go, is like, that his oh, dad? Is that the neighbor's guy? <laughs> yeah, but why is the neighbor in his house? than he was before. And yes. okay. Yes. And, um, yes. So I, I don't want to throw an editor under the bus because God knows, somebody, yeah. you know, we get handed some crazy material to try to make work sometimes. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but there were some editorial, there were some edit problems here. Like there was a that same kind of, it got really muddy in places that didn't, that were really simple seeming. Like the scene in the bedroom between the two teenage leads. Um, yeah. They, they also didn't seem very comfortable together, I will say. They were they were good actors, I guess, but I I don't. They just didn't seem to really like each other, so nice. I didn't know what that was about. And then there were they were really in a house, I guess, and cramped up in that bedroom. But getting her out of the house and then to do that thing where she drops the note on the bad people's front porch that was yeah. I didn't know where I was. There was like two minutes where I was like, I thought I was having an acid flashback. It's like <laughs> what where what is happening. <laughs> Yeah, it's very, there's a lot like that in this movie over and over again. Um, I also find that another epidemic besides, you know, um, actors yelling at each other. And it's, I'm, I don't know how old the Pierce brothers are, but I, I, so I could be totally wrong, but I see this a lot. People who write parents into films uh, uh, do not have children. Because there's this epidemic of of these new films where the parents are just like cool, kind of aloof parents, and they're like swigging beer in front of the little toddler, like just like being overly hip and cool with the overly hip. Like that is not what parents do, or hopefully not. Um, if you're yeah. trying to make me hate them right away, then okay. But there was a couple moments in this movie early on which is like really bizarre and unrealistic parenting but was on. that maybe that was was that 80s parenting they were because t- maybe this was an 80s movie and i didn't get the memo because it it could have been are there cell phones in it i don't remember cell phones it's i, I know it, it like i right. can't remember you're right maybe and they weren't a big part of the movie so i mean there's the internet actually because he goes on a website but it looks like a it looks yeah. like an early website so maybe this is like a 90s maybe they're setting it in the 90s i I don't. But we uh, weren't. Parents weren't like that in the '90s. So I don't know. There's something, something weird, man. Just some b- bizarre human activity that's unjustifiable. Go ahead, yeah, sorry. let's 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 talk about the the quote unquote twist. So we'll get into spoilers. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. care yes. about that, to go watch the movie and come back. Sorry, I had a terrible night. If it's any consolation, raised you better than this shit. Come on, Ben, you're smarter than this. Your mom raised me. Maybe you both should stop patting yourselves on the backs. All right, I just missed a stupid. <laughs> dinner you are going to apologize said i'm sorry okay so again this is one of those things that i think you know i'd love to play a game with this movie in particular like who would you like to direct this film um or or who would you like to give this the idea of this film to and put it in some hands that might really rock it because i loved the kind of idea that the witch makes people forget their children. I think that is so interesting. And I, you would know more than me, but I could not think of another example or a legend that I've heard in all our witch talk and everything and the paranormal world of that particular curse portrayed on film that I make you forget your child so that when I take your child, because I'm a witch who eats kids, uh, you don't know. 
And I think that's really amazing. And to have a young teen whose parents are going through a divorce and he's going through stuff. Um, I think that could set up to be, and that's why I mentioned the screenplay, a really cool, gritty, dark horror movie, a supernatural witch movie. And unfortunately it, it wasn't, but I loved that idea. And something that was really rewarding for me as Ben, the lead teen in the beginning, I go, Oh, here comes like another annoying jerky teen character that I hate right off the bat. He's this little attitude and a lady on a bus. in one of the first scenes says to him, Oh, you're a nice artist, young man. He looks at her like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about lady? And I'm like, Oh, I hate this kid. And he's our lead. But in the end, that is justified through this twist. And so because, and spoiler alert, um, he has suffered this curse and he didn't know it, that he has a little brother who is sitting there with him on that bus in the first scene. So the old lady wasn't talking to him. She was talking to his little brother saying, you're a good artist, young man. And I go, Ooh, that's, there's little things in here that are Attentive to detail that pay off that are interesting ideas, but they just didn't pull. They're it. they're they're attentive to detail, absolutely, and then they're also inattentive to huge gaping obvious things that are like where did why how did what how did Give that me one. work? Give me one because I agree. Well, okay, when you realize that not only has the witch infected the neighbor family and caused that husband to go and forget his children, she ate their children i think you i mean she's a child eater so they're kind of bouncing between that being conceptually true and literally true and 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 they're kind of having their cake and eat it eat it yes. too situation you know yes. like you, you know i thought it was actually kind of funny like in a, inappropriately funny at the end where you realize in that Shyamalan sequence where not only is that how the witch operates? But now this kid has been under the spell and had a little brother that he forgot. And yes. that they had this, the, the father had a, a son he forgot about. Which is kind of cool. Well, it's cool until they, for me, they did the flashbacks of revisiting every scene and you see that kid inserted in all these scenes that you've already watched. And then it got funny to me because yeah. I'm like, well, so where is he now then? You're right. They have they have the cake and eat it too because she's got like a lair under a tree. Yeah, that she steals I, kids. Yeah, and I think there's just like I, I could be wrong, but like he's just crawling and he like because it's hard to see literally, but I think he like crawls over bodies of kids at one time at one point or sees them. And then the other kids, the kids that we care about, in quotes, the siblings of our leads are encased in some sort of Midsummerish, they're, they're, they're hereditary. Like an, they're like an aliens. They're yeah, they're, they're like, wrapped in netting. But but they've been. But they but they were at. He was on the bus. He was at the table with right. with the dad playing that game when they we first meet the dad. He's so at guess, all these things. They just guess, invisible to them, or was well, he in the tree? Or uh, that's where I got. You know, I, I think guess, that they were just like they got really metaphysical about it without. Yeah, any of it down. Okay, well, I like the fact that um, that we're we've been toying and teasing doing a Skinwalker show, and this movie turned out to be a real Skinwalker movie yes. without without them saying anything about that. Yeah, they kind of let that go too. So there's an early scene where she guts a deer, the mother who ends up becoming the witch, 
and thereby unleashes a creature, a type of skinwalker with living in the deer, this witch, as it were, that then crawls out and infects her and makes her. Yeah, she witch. just happened to hit the deer, this deer on the road. She hit the wrong, <laughs> she hit the wrong deer. <laughs> she definitely hit the wrong deer. Yes. The dad is dating a girl. Here's another thing I was a little unclear about. If that's oh how that God. mother, <laughs> all right. If, if that's how that mother became infected with the skinwalker, witch slash deer, um, the dad is dating a woman at the marina who has nothing to do with any of this. No, but and she's a good cook. In a last minute twist, she is also a witch. Which... Yeah, everybody's a witch. I see there's something about this movie that makes me think that, you know, people could claim some misogyny here. I don't like every woman is a witch in this movie and not a good one, not like a misunderstood witch, not like, you know, in Season of the Witch, for instance, where they there seems to be a reason for this, you know? No, yeah. they're just, you know, all the women. I would agree with that in one sense. You're right. But then I would say a character like that, which is husband is an, a little bit of an antidote to that. Cause he is a hapless p- who is completely unaffected in every single way. And like, she, she's the one who starts to gut the deer and he's like, ew, what are you doing, honey? And he's just stupid. That's and That's totally what and- I would do. Don't, uh, you know, don't make fun of me on the show. I would absolutely <laughs> react that way. Um, <clears throat> but so, you know, it wasn't like the men were ruling the world in this movie either. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's a difference between that and being a horrible child eating witch. I mean, you know, there's not a, oh, I guess for you. Yeah. All right. God, I'd hate to think what you think of me when we're not. Well, Stop being such a pussy. We're not doing this show. You just I've must... said it before. I don't like whiny protagonists. Oh, that's the heaviest thing. That's the worst thing you've ever said. That's so cruel. Unless I'm playing it. Wow. Um. So, yeah, this <laughs> this thing gets weird. And um, and then <clears throat> like the then twist upon twist upon twist. Uh, the kid's girlfriend at the end is a witch. Twist, which upon has nothing, twist upon twist. It has, it, you know. No, I just feel not... like I feel like um, we've said this a bunch. Someone, they, whoever they is, most likely the people who control the purse strings. You mean the she, lizard, the lizard Illuminati, the, the royal family, the Rockefellers <laughs> and the royal family. Mm-hmm. This is a paranormal podcast. We can say that. Um, they, <laughs> they, the, the funders or whoever, um, didn't trust to make the movie they probably wanted to make. And so they go, we got to have like cute teens. We got to make it saccharine because we're talking about killing kids here at times. And we got to have a twist. Oh, we got to have two twists. We'll have three twists. Netflix will love that. Like, that's how mm-hmm. it felt to me. Like, they had the bones of like a really creepy, awesome, gritty witch story. And this Fright Night was a good movie. I mean, if you're going to remake a movie, Fright Night and and uh, you know Rear Window are, yeah. are really good ones because yeah. they're it's one lo- one or few locations, not that many locations. It's a house, small cast, <clears throat> built in suspense. Yes, uh, and, 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 and it was I'll, already tried and true because it'd been made 18 times. So yeah, why not? They, why not make it's so this much one? more effective? And you're right; it's a great comp. And I and that's I was not really kidding when I brought up the Burbs because. There are these moments in this movie, these voyeuristic moments that borderline on camp and the music choices, like I said, and, and the and the dialogue and the like 
I'm going to sneak in the basement. I'm going to leave the note. And it's like, this is yeah. like the burbs. Is this turning into this a comedy a weird part of it? Yeah. It's like a weird, that's the, that's the, the fact that that movie exists bef- after that opening where you see literally, yes. you see a, a witch with giant teeth, like a shark, like eating a child. You're like, <laughs> yes. what the hell? They cut away to like the little shoes of the, yeah. I'm like, God, this is like, and intense. then it never really goes uh-uh. anywhere near that again. No, very strange. No, it becomes like ET riding his bike through the woods at night, crawling down the hole. It's, it becomes <laughs> Stranger Things. For. I don't know. Also, I have to say, this is another good example of why, you know, why a little Dubois can, you need, you need a little Dubois, right? Because this is, you can't just go like, oh, I went on a website and then cut to him covering the house in salt. For me, that just is not, it's too much yes. for me to jump over. Yes. We need someone to say, uh, and let me do this too, because we, we get new listeners all the time. The Dubois is a Maddie term. Uh, here, let me play this. And now it's time for Maddie's term of the day. <laughs> the Dubois is a term I took from the the TV series Medium, where Alison Dubois, the lead, kept solving crime. Every week, every week she solved the murder with her medium skills. But then every week someone went, oh, Allison, it's just a dream. I'm like, she just solved the triple homicide a week ago. Can we trust her dreams? So that's, we call it a Dubois. And, and you make a good point, Tony. There are things glossed over major points about the spell, the witch herself, what he's going to do to combat it that are just assumed and not explained. No one Dubois him and says, well, why salt? What do you think that he doesn't even Dubois himself? Let's, let's be realistic. There'd be, there'd be some, he's, he's his teenager. There'd be some self Dubois. I self Dubois when I'm Elvis. I wrote notes about this movie and I don't remember. See, well, I, I don't even, they're not, how about a favorite scene and a least favorite moment? Favorite moment, um, least favorite moment. I, I'll say my favorite scene is actually the scene where he comes into their house looking for the neighbor's kid and finds the that scene where she's, you know, we see her from behind and she's nude and kind of yeah. turning into this creature yeah. and she's moving so strange, but she doesn't see him. Yeah. And she's just like in the living room of this suburban house and that was really kind of disturbing. That was actually really good. That was a moment where I thought, oh, they're playing all the right chords here. This could actually turn into, they could pull this all together to really make me believe in this. But yes. Um, yeah, I guess that was my favorite sequence. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's either that or the him getting beaten up by the town bullies in the town square. Oh, I forgot about that. Which is the greatest eighties beatdown yes. memorial. Yes, as he's trying to help the girl. The stupidest rich kid kids in this movie that beat him up. The thing about it, though, is that you clearly know that if he weren't like the stranger in town, he'd be one of those kids. Oh, he's got it. Yeah, he wants to be. He's got written all over him. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I, I like that whole idea of of a main character who's flawed. Agreed. And, and, you know, and a kid who's troubled and following him, making him the lead. And and, and like, totally. There's a couple of things that happen early on that. Um, maybe you're right about the script being a little bit smarter because there's some details that are cool. He goes into that general store in the beginning of the movie <gasps> and yes. um, kind of steals some changes or isn't going to pay. And the dog yes. is guarding the door and there's yes. a beautiful dog who like eyes him and is clearly later eyeing his little brother too, but you don't know that's what he's doing. Yes. And the dog yes. growls at him when he, when he um, doesn't leave a money and he says that you, st- you know, he calls him a stupid dog. Yeah, which really pissed Amelia off. Really uh-huh. got her angry. It made uh-huh. me angry too, because I'm like, he's not a stupid dog. He's doing his job. Yeah, you're but stupid. He caught you. He is stupid. But I think the filmmakers are ahead and know that 
you know, you think by the end of the movie, the character will learn enough about himself to not do that anymore, that he's acting out, that he's actually, you know, we're not supposed to think that's cool behavior of him. And, and, and I, and I think they're trying for that and making him, it's kind of like a Tennessee Williams move. You know, you have this kind Mm -hmm. of like flawed, you know, broken kid with Mm -hmm. a broken arm and, you know, um, and I, I totally agree. That's why I said in the right hands, you take this kind of, um, kid going through a divorce who's acting yeah. out and all troubled and he has yeah. to witness this witch thing that would have been awesome they just he comes off like petulant and bratty for no reason and none of that is really explored all right all right hey relax hey we're even okay stupid dog it's also a strange move to have like them all at the marina and having it be like boat racing and beaches and stuff it's, and it's clearly like december it's freezing out there's no leaves on the trees everybody weird. looks cold i think it was shot in michigan i looked it up i saw something in the like film commission or, or like one of the businesses i think was in traverse city michigan i think where i've been that, i would town. buy that i'm sure yeah i, just, I don't know just that i was just a strange atmosphere the for it they didn't really ever get it feeling like a real town or a real yeah you know sometimes these things and i'm i've been guilty of this not guilty of it but i shouldn't say guilty of it i've done this which is awesome and you've done this you sometimes tailor your production around to what's available to you oh yeah right so Mm -hmm. i'm just spitballing here um they knew the harbor master in that town and he said yeah use the harbor master quarters like okay the dad's a harbor master (laughs) i think that happens a lot i you know i that that happens more than than most filmmakers would like us to think uh-huh. it happens. And some films are able to kind of blend all those things together to create the fantasy of a real town. I mean, that's that, you know, people talk about the suspension of the, of your disbelief about it being about giant special effects moments or, you know, or make crazy makeup that a character wears or crazy plot things that happen. But I find the biggest trouble for me is just believing that, somebody's in a diner in a town or that they said good the morning things. or that like yes. i just you know uh that's the hardest part to get really right it's uh, the little things you're exactly oh yeah it was um, shot uh in northport michigan mostly okay. so yeah i did see something about traverse city on one of the things so, and obviously you know you'd want to use all the locations you could and get the water in there for for Kudos money on film and stuff they're yes. trying to do that but yeah but you know i think they could have um they could have they could have really saved their money and not have any of that and have it literally just been in those two houses and it would have been more effective but yeah you know yeah um yeah it started to become like a save by the bell like goes to tampa right that's what yeah. it looked like it, right. like the scenes between him and her on the docks and then the father <laughs> the father's like stealing a cigarette at one point i'm like that guy's never smoked like just the way he handled it you know, Everybody, like, it's all digital smoking now like, anyway yeah, exactly. Like he just did not. He just did yeah. not feel comfortable with cigarettes. Like, like little... Nobody do it. <laughs> just don't do it. If you're not gonna really do it, don't don't pretend to do it. <sighs> like when you light a cigarette, it's badass, Tony. When I, I, you know, you know what you're well, doing. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it's like watching John Mellencamp smoke. It's I know how to do it. Right. <laughs> it's not a clove cigarette. Um, okay. In the end, Tony, let's get to our top three list here. But before we do. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh, I didn't do my best worst. My best is definitely when she comes to the door. I had mentioned it earlier, that kind of five-minute stretch of movie, uh, the tail end of the first act maybe, where I thought it was going to do what it didn't do. Yeah. I thought it was really neat and a really neat idea. Um, and then I think my least favorite moments with an S are, again, those little 
character development moments. I was very uncomfortable between him and her, the the, the young kid and his girlfriend or his potential girlfriend, and him and his dad too. Just they all just met at the craft service table fifteen minutes before they shot. Yeah, it, this it, movie. it did not work. It did not work. So I'll tell you my least. You want to know my least favorite thing? Yeah. Like straight up, I think right. this was this is so funny. I laughed so hard. The dinner that they talk about, they're going to have this dinner. Like the father is going to go on and they're going to have dinner and his new girlfriend is going to make the family dinner and the boy is going to go to the dinner and he doesn't go to the dinner. He goes to a party instead and makes that mistake and pisses his dad off. And he comes back home at like three in the morning drunk and you see the aftermath of this famous dinner that you've heard about because she's such a great cook and you've heard about what she can do and it's been so meaningful to her. How could you do this and blow it off? And they cut to the dinner table and there's three paper plates and a tray of lasagna half eaten just smushed on the table. Nothing else. Like what? Who who eats like that, man? You prepared this dinner? And she's like, you know, I'm a really good cook, so I'm really sorry you weren't there. You're like, what? It's like this burnt plate of lasagna. Oh, God. What is happening? I'm just going to head out. I, um, I should go. It's... I'm sorry. It's fine. We'll talk tomorrow. You missed a good dinner. Oh, Worst dinner God. in movie history. Honestly, and, I'm like, yeah. really? And him um, getting drunk, quote unquote, in the scene before that is yeah. rough stuff. And he, I, I said, I literally said out loud, I guess he's gonna throw up. He's gonna throw up. He's gonna throw up. And then he does. Well, you were. It's your favorite thing in a movie, so Ugh. at least you had that. It's pretty awesome. You're pretty awesome. Star kiss, crush, star crush. <sighs> All right. So again, we did a terrible job as hosts of. <laughs> Hmm. hiding our feelings but uh the wretched 2019 again i think there was a lot of good effort here and some good things and i kudos to all involved and we keep saying that because we don't want to pick on people but it just didn't work for us in the end i think we're both going to pass on this yeah 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 it's 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 it, it, it wasn't it, it did not achieve its goals i don't think um yeah i want someone to make a wretched movie because i think that title is so awesome and I, I, I want a better well, effort to. It's got the word wretch, wretch in it, which you like. You love that stuff. You love vomit and retching and ah, ah. your favorite. You know, I mean, it's hard to say. Will I give this? What am I going to give this? You give it a, you don't, you give it a P for pass? P for pass. It's not going up on my side of the shelf at all. You know, maybe on a meta way, it should, I should give it a P for paranormal because like the movie, I literally forgot that I'd seen it. I didn't know I had this child. I did not know I saw oh. this movie. Oh. oh, It really went away. Like it blanked out. There was like a, and then I had to go back to my notes and remember, like I couldn't remember, I couldn't remember anything until I looked at my notes and then looked at another few minutes of the movie and kind of had to remind myself. None, none of it stuck with me. Did we I, just get ringed? I think like, we got, we, I think there's, I think there was a hitchhiker in this movie experience and we got ringed, man. The curse. We got the curse. We forgot about everything in the movie. Actually, that might be a blessing. In it's this a kind of a good curse. It's a, it's a, what do they call it? A nope. They call it a bad miracle. Yes. Well, this is a good curse. Bad miracle. Do you know, for years I've, I've used the term failure miracle. I think I've said it way before nope came out. So I, I want think bad miracles have got a better ring to it. Oh my God. I'm, not, I'm just cool, uh, I'm not as cool as uh, what's his name? What's his maybe name? maybe not. Now see, I've got the wretched disease. I can't remember Jordan Peele's name. 
All right. I was going to say Jesse Plemons, so that's how far I... <laughs> I was going to say I'm... Padge Bagley for some reason. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Last uh... week, I almost said D. Snyder for D. Right, Rose. yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, God, help me. All right, let's do our top three list inspired by The Wretched. There is a scene, as we mentioned, where the woman, the wife, the beer-drinking, cool millennial mom who's swilling brews, she attempts to gut and, as we say, dress a deer. We got a buck, baby. I saw, yeah. Uh, why is it in our driveway? Uh, we hit it on the road. Ready, going? You had yeah. an accident? Truck's fine. We're fine. Don't work yourself into a tizzy. What are you doing with that? It's good meat. I'm going to clean it, gut it. What? I used to do it with Dad all the time out here. Hey, Naps. You really think that's a good idea? I could have nightmares. I don't want our kids growing up thinking meat comes from a store wrapped in plastic. Uh, basically butcher a deer that she found as roadkill. Um, and so it made me and Tony think of the greatest roadkill in film and television history. Um, so, Tony, would you like to should we memorialize this award? I was thinking for this week we could memorialize it if, if this pending your approval um, that it's the <laughs> that's the uh, <laughs> sometimes dead is better. Oh, yeah, let's do it for, for Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery Memorial. Um, Roadkill list. All right. So these are animals that are dead in movies. Uh, roadkill, if you will. Uh, would you like to start, Tony, with your number three? Yeah, sure. Um, my number three is from um, 1983's Local Hero. Oh, never saw it. A, you never saw Local Hero? No. Matty, it's possible this may... would. This is possibly going to be your favorite movie of all time. It what? might be. Wait a second. Local Hero. never saw it. Okay, go ahead with the, with the um, roadkill. It's a little, it's a Scottish movie from mm -hmm. 1983. One of my favorite directors is this guy, Bill Forsyth, who made his, oh. a bunch of little films, little but low budget indie movies, mostly comedies, actually all of them comedies in Scotland. Um, so it's got that, you know, Scottish humor that I know you are a fan of, you know, love it, love it. Um, and it's the real deal. And this one is about um, a guy played by Peter Rieger who sent by his boss to a small island off the coast of Scotland mm -hmm. to see if he can buy it for the oil companies. Uh, and he has to deal with the local people there and see if he can get a deal for this. And it's just hysterical. On his way there, he and the guy that pick him up at the picks him up at the airport are driving and they hit a rabbit um, in their car. And, and uh, a, there's a lot of things spin off because of that event, but they hit the thing and they don't know if it's alive or dead. And so one of them says, uh, well, you know, um, you know, maybe we should hit it with something. And Peter Riegert says, we just hit it with a two ton automobile. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> Peter Riegert from Animal House. That's awesome. All right. It's great. I will definitely check that. out. That's my number three. All right. My number three is from a movie we reviewed here. It's the opening scene of Windigo when the young family is driving to their vacation home and they strike a deer. And uh, it was kind of our favorite scene of the movie, I remember, as we reviewed it, or one of our favorite scenes. It also sets in action a series of events which kind of change that family's trajectory. And the acting is great. It's a tense scene. The movie doesn't live up to that scene, maybe, in the end. 
But um, what a great opening sequence and that dead deer, that roadkill becomes a harbinger of what's to come. I agree. I, it was actually something I was considering putting on my list. Um, it's it's really good. And in fact, it kind of like uh, it's actually become a, a trope in a lot of movies to have main characters hit a hit an animal in their car, hit a deer in their car as a way to start a movie or start a horror movie or create drama between characters on some yes. kind of a road trip movie. It's used all the time yes. to the point where I'm kind of sick of it, in fact, because yeah. I just feel like it's a device. Wendigo was there, if not first, pretty early with this device, and they use it better than I think almost anybody. So Agreed. It's Larry great. Fessenden's movie still has still has the ability to to work a spell for me. I love it. You're number two, Tony. You're number two roadkill dead animal in film history. My number two would be um, would be the armadillo from the beginning of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <sighs> yeah, you know, I mean, how are you going to, how do we, it's kind of the spokes. I mean, other than the cat in Pat Cemetery, it's kind of the spokesperson for roadkill in movies. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, doesn't have a big part, but damn, does it, does, does it do its job? Uh-huh. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, my number two, I'm going to give something uh, that is a streaming show right now. And I'm going to give a friend of mine some love. Uh, I became friends with Ian Brennan filming a commercial years ago in New York, my New York years. And so he's just gone off to L.A. fortune and fame. And he is the writer of the new streaming show Dahmer. Uh, and oh, good Lord. Oh, wow. And, and so there's a whole subplot of uh Dahmer and his dad going out looking for roadkill to oh, then do God. taxidermy to and Great. the shots of the roadkill are so visceral and awful but to great effect for what they're trying to do yeah yeah jump cut in with what it does for him yeah, that's all I'll say oh uh, yeah I watched a little of that show it's like <laughs> oh, I, I mean I watched some pretty dark things and I I, I was I, even I was like you know what I gotta take a little break <laughs> Me too. Yes, uh, and I little, love Ian like a brother. Yeah, but warm yeah, in here. I'm happy for success, but boy, ah, they so paint creepy. a picture. So, uh, yeah, incredible use of of roadkill in a in a, in a okay. series. Okay, that's your number two. Yeah, Dom. All right. So my number one would be uh, would be from 1998's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, it's my favorite because it actually is a gag and it's it's a hallucination that turns real. And it's the moment where he has the famous line, "Oh my God, what are all these what are all these goddamn bats doing around here?" <laughs> yeah. And uh, and as the car drives by, uh, there, a, a little dead bat falls to the desert floor, and um, uh, su suggesting that they were real after all, which I I love. So Amazing. that's my number one. Amazing. Um, not to get you off on a, another tizzy or rant here, uh, but. You you had problems with that movie in general, right? Like although that I have a very great... I have a complicated relationship with that movie. It's not it's not an easy conversation. I, I I love the makers of it. I love Terry Gilliam a lot. Yeah. And I love Hunter Thompson. And I I thought it made for an uneasy mix in regard. I love the movie, hmm. uh, but it's a it's a question of like um I know the book I know the books and the backstory too well to they, they did things as a movie to it that bothered me, uh, but only because I know what really happened because this is a true story and it was treated like a fantasy so i have opinions about that but i i think it's a great movie got it all right and uh my number one i'm going to kind of cleanse myself of the Dahmer pick 
and stay true to form as I've been on a roll. I think I know what you're going to (laughs) do. I'm going to go with the deer and Tommy boy. I knew you were doing, I knew it. I knew (laughs) you were going to do it. One of the greatest scenes in movie history, when that deer pops up in the back of the car, (laughs) it's still alive. But there's, what's brilliant about it is they scream. Yes, they go, ah, but before that happens, the deer just pops up and they don't see it. And we do. (laughs) Deer's just kind of just like, looking around and totally alive as they're driving down the highway. And I don't care if I've watched that 10,000 times. I never not. Laugh. It's it's great, dude. It's great. And I knew it was coming and I'm glad uh-huh. you did it. That's uh-huh. great. Uh-huh. It doesn't count though. Cause it wasn't really dead, but okay. it does. Right. It does count. It's a roadkill moment. Uh, did you squeeze in any honorable mentions? I have a couple, but no, I kept them no. honorable mentions cause they're not technically roadkill, mm. but I think it's used of deceased animals and movies to great effect. This kind of goes hand in hand with my Dahmer one. It's the little girl in hereditary with her dead birds and all the minutia of yeah, the, I oh. almost picked hereditary for her. Oh, Oh, she became rude. <laughs> I mean, I did. I was on my list, well, but I thought it'd be too much. You know, what's so funny is you said early in this podcast, you said, if you're going to go there, a director will only do it if they really are going to punch you in the gut mm. with it. And it's the first Boy, thing I ever. thought of. That's the oh. first thing I thought of. Um, Mad Max's dog gets the crossbow. That awesome, beautiful Australian shepherd oh, he had. I know. <sighs> and, I love uh, that dog. The zombie dog in I Am Legend. The dog becomes legend uh, becomes zombie. And I thought that was okay. kind of a cool, cool um, effect that they used on the dog. It became yeah. this, be, you know, his beloved pet became this evil monster. I thought it was really a cool scene. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Top three roadkill. Not something that you thought you wanted, but you now you do. And what did we miss? I love when you guys reach out to us on our top threes and, hey, you forgot about this one. Or how about this one? Um, we always forget. Always. I know there's a, I know I can see like an animal's eye right now in a film sequence and I can't think of what it is. But oh, there's dozens. Of, I'm there's missing. dozens. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So please uh, let us know. You know, we're at, at Rated Paranormal. Now let's tease our next episode, Tony, is as we head into the kind of final weeks before Halloween. Um, I think this episode is going to be awesome. We're going to talk to a man who is responsible for show running and making the secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, Jason is on that ranch every day. He has had experiences. His life has changed because he has spent seasons on this ranch. Uh, It's an insider look at Skinwalker like you won't get anywhere else on any other podcast. So if you know someone who's into that, tell them about us. Other than that, Tony... I will see you next time we crack the mic, buddy. Can't wait. We've been waiting for this one for a long time. I'm excited. Thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Rated P for Paranormal. Please rate, review, and share. It really does make a difference. For more information, to participate, and even donate, go to our main page, anchor.fm slash Rated Paranormal. On social media, we're at Rated Paranormal. All music is by Andrew Goldens Jr. You can find him on Instagram at Kid Riga or go to therocketscience.bandcamp.com. This podcast was created, written, produced, and edited by Maddie Blake and Anthony Arkin. Okay, you calm down. And there's always a dickhead who's like a total more of a dickhead than the other douchebag.